0: Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the FA Cup Preview Show. It's not the sweet, sweet carabao, but it'll do. On today's pod, we're relishing the prospect of four days and 32 games of cliches, drama and surprises as a proverbial form book goes out the window. Some form of magic awaits us and that's exciting. And joining me in this excitement, I'm delighted to be joined today by author and friend of the show, Ryan Baldy. Ryan, you there? I'm good, Steve. How are you, mate? I'm very good. Um was things in general.
1: Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um I flu after through Christmas, uh getting back to health and um yeah, it's, Oh,
0: it's, man. Yeah, yeah. Flying around at the moment, isn't it? Everyone's yeah, got kind of yeah. bugs and viruses and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I'm glad to hear you on the men, mate. Um so you let's start with a very obvious kind of starting point, but are you excited about the FA Cup third round this weekend? Is it is it a kind of a special day on your personal football in Canada
1: yeah I still enjoy the cup I don't think um it holds the luster it did um when I was a kid I think um I think we probably have a similar vintage being used to and we're probably yeah. among the last generation uh, whereby um the, the magic of the cup felt real and felt kind of tangible and 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 the cup still felt like something that was that was big and and, and really worth pursuing um final day was still quite a big thing when we were growing up in the kind of mid-90s. Um, it was still one of those events where, you know, you hear people reminisce now about how TV coverage would last all day. I, I remember all that. I remember the whole build-up yeah. to some of these kind of mid-90s cup finals quite vividly and watching the coach pull up to the ground and all these sorts of things. Um, and I, I don't know whether it's just kind of me being an old man shouting at the clouds now or whether it's <laughs> um, whether it's real, but it doesn't seem to quite have that same um, weight to it anymore. Um and uh, yeah, I, I think it's just it's just different times. I think different competitions have been prioritized by the biggest clubs, um, and it's understandable. We, we all know why that is. Um, so yeah, it's not quite the, the same as it used to, be, but um, it's still one of the rare occasions where you get some of the, the, these these weird and wonderful fixtures to get thrown up. So it's always it's always interesting and fun to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah, I remember um, when City lost in the semi final last season, and I was absolutely apoplectic. um, at Pep really because you know for this team selection and. I was in a WhatsApp group with some of the others from Night 320 and I was the only one who was really furious. The others were kind of very pragmatic, saying, ah, but you know, we've got this league game in three days' time and, and also and then it occurred to me that, you know, a lot of the others were ten years my junior.
1: Mm. And
0: and I think it does come down to that kind of us being of a certain vintage where we can remember just it was special back in the day and, and it no longer is. How how much of that do you think is not just the fact that the club's prioritizing other tournaments, but you know a fixture list now the fact that it's kind of spread out over the weekend the fact that tonight there's a game the fact that you know saturday night there's a game um you know you, you, again i don't want to sound like an old man shouting at the clouds but it used to be where saturday three o'clock fa cup third round it, that was it really and then match of the day that night
1: yeah it's it's one of those things i think um because everything is content now isn't it so TV, TV uh, broadcasters are, are keen to kind of catch that lightning in a bottle and not miss a minute of any potential mm. upset, or, or also you know prioritising the games of the bigger clubs that they know are going to draw the audiences. It's one of the few um, occasions where um, you know it's not Sky or BT as a coverage, so you you get some um, you know maybe BBC have live games here and there, ITV have uh, live games here and there um, down the years so. I think you see a lot of coverage of trying to, like I said, capture that lightning in a bottle and, and trying to draw in the audiences. That's why they spread out as much as they can and kind of milk it for what what little bit of magic might be left uh, in the FA Cup third round. So, yeah, I think it does kind of take some of the luster away. Um, I don't know how it affects the matchday experience for, for fans. Maybe it's, uh, it's different, it, um, you know, the, the anticipation of a three o'clock kickoff for a, for a smaller club who are welcoming one of the, the big hitters to their, their town for a, a rare fixture is maybe a little bit uh, diminished if it's, you know, it's kind of diluted by, by being shown and broadcast on TV, but it's all, you know, it's all part of the modern game. It's the way it's gone. There's no, 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 uh no real kind of rallying against it when it's, it, it's not going to, it's not going to change.
0: Yeah. I think for City fans, the, the rot really set in as regards to the FA Cup, when we reached the final against Stoke in 2011 and, um, mm because on that same day United secured the league by beating Blackburn, I think, um, and the fact that they put them both on the same day, that just seems so wrong. I, and that yeah. was, you know, regard, obviously from a City perspective, that was annoying, but even if it wasn't City, you know, it, it was it just seems so wrong to have, you know, a really crucial league game played an hour or two before an FA Cup final, but that kind of, that's when I started to think, okay, yeah, the FA Cup's yeah. in, in trouble here, but... Um, I mean, I, I believe it's actually made somewhat of a comeback in recent years. It has become, you know, it's important, has kind of grown again. Um, and tonight is certainly a, a, a big game that will draw a lot of people into the FA Cup weekend, United against Everton. Um, one of the cliches of the FA Cup is that it can be a respite for struggling teams near the bottom of the table, that they can escape their league woes. Do you think that might apply to to Everton, or are they so in trouble that, you know, it doesn't matter what tournament they're playing, they're going to struggle at Old Trafford.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's the old cliche, isn't it? The form goes out the window for the yes. off of matches, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess we just have to wait and see. Everton have been pretty, pretty desperate, and you know, they are really rolling at the moment. Um, on a lot of levels um, so uh, if it does go according to the form book of it if, if that, that window's closed and it doesn't get thrown out of it then uh, it, it's not going to be an easy one for Everton I think United should have it relatively comfortably but also United now you know we've seen a lot of talk of how United might be sniffing the title race even this season let alone you know, a, a mm. chance of making the top four um, which was kind of their uh, their, their stretch goal this year was really top four. I think a lot of a lot of people would have been um happy with, with United making a decent fight for a top four finish and, and seeing where they land with, with the progress that they're trying to make under the new manager after all that's gone over the last few years. So now that they're pretty well established within that top four and now kind of sniffing the edges of the title race, it makes you wonder how um how they'll approach the Cup. And of course it's it's Ten Hag's first year um at United and in his first FA Cup campaign. So we don't have a great handle on how he will kind of see it amongst the hierarchy mm. of, of the competitions United are going for. So um, th- there are some kind of intangibles there, and some some areas in which Everton can make some gains if United do rotate. Um, their squad depth isn't isn't amazing. It's not you know it's not terrible. They've got it's a very expensively established uh, expensively built squad, um, but there's a lot of fat in that squad as well. Um, mm. So if you're taking out a key player here and there, it's going to, you can see, you can see a real drop-off with United. You see how well people like Casemiro and Rashford have have kind of carried them over the last couple of months. Um, If Ten Hag sees this as an opportunity to rest, either of those, then you wonder perhaps where the goals are coming from and you wonder who's going to kind of shield the defence in the way that's really helped them over the last few weeks the way Casemiro has. So, yeah, a lot of it will come down to the selection, I think, as to whether Everton have that kind of glimpse of uh, of a chance against United. But, um, at the same time, it's whether whether Lampard is going to prioritise the cup as well when um, staying up is now is now a real kind of target for Everton. They've got to stave off the threat of relegation, not for the first time in the last few years. And he's fighting for his job. Um, the cup, like you said, can provide a respite, can provide a bit of uh, a momentum and a, and, a, and a timely bit of a uh, bit of positivity if they can get a result. But at the same time, they, they, you know, Lampard has limited resources and he's got to funnel them. Um, into whatever direction he considers his priority. So again, it's a bit of a cop-out and I've, I've got splinters in my backside with this one. But it's going to, it's going to the, the teams that they put out, I think, is going to be the big big deciding factor.
0: Well, I mean, because there's a sizeable gap between um, this game and Everton's next league game, I think, against Southampton, well over a week away. So Lampard has actually said he's going to pick a strong team for tonight. So if United do rest some key players... <laughs> it's not a bad shout to be fair but yeah. Everton, i particularly with that old cliche of it being a respite for you know to escape the league woes it might prove to be the case just staying quickly on united um they have turned things around what do you attribute that to do you is it to the manager or that the players is brought in um you mentioned Casemiro who's been huge for them um what what would you identify as the main kind of reason that united have improved so much
1: um, I think for the first time in a while, uh, they look like a team that's being coached. <laughs> it's yes, really yeah. big, but, but they do. They look like a team who has kind of an idea. Um, and what I find really interesting as well, you know, you know you just started the season so badly with with the defeats to um, Brighton and, and Brentford where they got really turned over and, and it seemed that Ten Hag was really dogmatic in his approach to building from the back and playing a possession based game. Um, but he's, he's proven to be a malleable coach as well and, and you've seen him play on the counter a lot of times this season and and prioritise different areas of the pitch. Um and I think now they just look like a really well-rounded team. Um, as we talked about Casemiro is someone who's come in. Um and I was I was surprised at the time by some of the skepticism around the, the, the deal for Casemiro. Obviously they paid a lot of money for him and he is um he's just tipped the wrong side of the third you know. But uh, this is a guy who's um, been at the top end of, of, of the game in Europe for a long time and mm. is 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 never someone who's been reliant on pace and athleticism. He's all about, you know his understanding of the game, um, his ability to put himself in the right position and make, make the right decisions on the ball and off the ball. So um, that's the kind of thing that's going to last a long time for him. So he's, he's come in. It took a few weeks to settle, but he's overall settled fa- fairly quickly and fairly well. He looks like a, a leader amongst that team. We're also seeing now that he's um, perhaps a little bit more off the leash than he was at Real Madrid, where he had Tony Kroos and um, uh, Luka Modric around him. So uh, you know, he he his remit was a very simple and straightforward well, one at United. He's he's allowed to express himself a bit more, I think. And he's getting forward that, that, that little bit more. And he's, you've seen a bit more of a range of passing from him. And you've seen just what, what an exceptional player he is. So he's made a huge difference. Um, I think we've seen um, with Ronaldo going as well, um, how, how that's affected the team in a positive way. Um, mm. There's more mobility up front. I think you see Bruno Fernandes take more of an influence when Ronaldo isn't around. Um, I don't know if it's something to do with him feeling... Obligated to look for Ronaldo whenever he was on the pitch, and it kind of stymies his creativity a bit. But Fernandes looks a much more free and creative player um, when when he is the main man, who who the attacks are funnel through, and um, that's really working to United's benefit. So I think it's it's a combination of those things. I think Ten Hag, in a lot of ways, is is, is a modern coach in, in his approach to uh, to his tactical approach and his, his training methods, but he's also quite old school. Uh, we've seen how he um, he dropped Rashford the other week for. Um, a discipline issue where he missed a team meeting. Uh, he just seems kind of kind of hardline on on the discipline, um, without sort of alienating the players. Except for obviously Ronaldo, who didn't like, who didn't like it and left. But that, yeah. uh, as we said, is going to work out for the better for them. So it's just yeah, it's just uh, they've got. I think they've finally stumbled on. Um, the right guy or a right guy to to lead them in the in a post Ferguson era that's now a decade old. Uh, but I think they've kind of yeah they're, they're starting to show some signs of progress not long last.
0: Yeah, I think it was a real statement how he dealt with Ronaldo, and I think that would have had an impact on the players um, as regards to them thinking, oh okay, you know this guy doesn't take any nonsense. And uh, as you said, it's had a, a positive effect on the players. Uh, and as regards to Bruno Fernandes, completely agree. at I, I think it's it's not even so much that ronaldo's gone it's the fact that you know you saw with portugal in the euros bruno fernandes played really well and that's the first time i can recall him but being instrumental for portugal and that was with ronaldo in the side but his standings fallen, hasn't it? You know Ronaldo. He's not that. He doesn't have that same influence as he once yeah, did. Yeah, the
1: deference isn't quite there the way yes. it was. where everything you when know, when they get when it, when a, another player gets on the ball, they look up. Their first thought isn't always "Can I find Ronaldo?" It's, yeah. um, you know, It's what's what's the best move to make.
0: Um, kind of widening our gaze to the, the rest of the games. Or oh, let's, let's kind of focus on Saturday's games. There's twenty two of them. Is there an upset in there? Do you think?
1: Uh, well, I, I hope so. <laughs> I was just looking through looking through the fixtures earlier and and having a little look at the form and things, and um, there are a few that jump out as obvious kind of contenders and and ones that you would see as traditional giant killing opportunities. Um, but I think they're all going to be difficult for the smaller sides. Uh, so I was I was looking at G- Gillingham Leicester. Obviously, Leicester are vulnerable mm. with their form at the moment, but also Gillingham have been really poor in their own form, so they're bottom of league two only won two, two games all season so well, I mean, they've, but, they've
0: scored the fewest amount of goals in the top seven tiers of the football pyramid as well yeah so, exactly
1: yeah. they're really struggling so it would be a really huge upset even with leicester struggles uh, at the top end for for them to get a result there um hull against Fulham was one that i thought had a little bit of potential huller um have mm. won their last two they're unbeaten in the last five um uh, Fulham obviously doing very well uh, in in the Premier League, but again, it's whether that, that uh, affects how they approach this game because now they're they're sniffing a European place, but currently seventh in the table. So, and uh, maybe if if silver rotates uh, a lot, that could be an opportunity for Fulham to uh, for Hall to to nick a result there at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at Blackpool against Forest, but again, Blackpool are another team who are struggling in their own division. Uh, haven't won since October uh, in the Championship. They're third from bottom, so again, that's going to be a difficult one. and and, um and Forest do you know they do have a lot of options they've got quite a big squad for for a team uh, where they are after after signing all the world's players um (laughs) I'd expect them to be able to to get through that one um and then I think we're going to be looking at Sheffield Wednesday Newcastle um as well at some stage and that, that could be the one again if if Newcastle the way I was looking at it with Newcastle is obviously they're they're flying in the league they've been they've been fantastic this season um they've kind of vaulted themselves into this. I don't even know what it is now. Was it a big six? Is it a big seven now? Is somebody else dropped out? Is it a big, big five? I don't know. Whatever the big number is, they've kind of vaulted themselves into it. But they're still a team working towards consolidating themselves within that that level of the elite of the elite in the Premier League. And, and while they have some, um, you know, some really good top-end players, perhaps they don't have the depth to rotate that a City or a or United or a or, or Liverpool might have. Um, so if they do rotate a lot in... In um, prioritising Champions League push, then perhaps there's an opportunity there for a, a team who uh, have been in good form like Sheffield Wednesday. So um, maybe that could be one that, that that stands out a bit. But yeah, they all they all kind of have caveats, and there's not there's mm-hmm. not one where where I'm really kind of thinking, okay, this is this is one that I've got on my eye on because I think an upset is on the cards. I think the strength and power of the Premier League clubs now is is such that. Um, their the depth is able to carry them through for for the most part. I don't think the giant can I don't know the numbers behind it, but I imagine we don't see as many as we used to so uh yeah i to be honest I'm not sure there's there are too many on the cards this weekend.
0: thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show to listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes, and much more. Go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best,
1: most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.